Welcome to Sci-Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci-fi. I'm Julie Keel, and with me today is not Jeff Sire or Mike McPeak, but a special guest. We spend a lot of time on Sci-Fi Tech Talk deconstructing the technology of sci-fi, which is a much easier task than the converse, which is constructing it in the first place. I have a friend who is an aspiring, uh, yet-to-be-published uh, science fiction author, but his book is nearly complete. Um, and I, I got a chance to sit down with uh, Brian Chaffin um, to talk about the challenge of building a science fiction world and coming up with the technology that we spend uh, so much time uh, in Sci-Fi Tech Talk uh, talking about. Okay, this is Julie recording at Macworld in San Francisco, and I have with me today Brian Chaffin, who is a uh, not-yet-published science fiction author. And on uh, Sci-Fi Tech Talk, we talk a lot about uh, the technology of sci-fi and how the worlds that are created in science fiction kind of depict technology and how close that is to our current technology and how close it is to maybe being someday reality. And so I'm very curious about the process that goes into putting together um, essentially a science fiction world where you you get to set the rules. But those of us who put together podcasts and other types of you know blogs and things pick that world apart <laughs> based on the science. So, Brian, one question I have for you is essentially how much research do you do in that? I mean, do you, especially if I don't know exactly even how much science is in your story, but um, do, you know, do you wind up becoming a bit of a well, you're already a nerd, but <laughs> I mean, like a serious science nerd. Uh, you know, so I hang out with various writer forms, and everyone d- approaches this topic. There's so many questions, uh, so many forum threads that will be dedicated to just this question. Like, you know, how much should I pay attention to the science? And and uh, the reality is, is that there are tons of different approaches, and different writers handle it differently. You know, for some authors, the science is effectively magic. Of course, that goes back to what Arthur C. Clarke said that any science sufficiently advanced is indistinguishable from magic. Um, some authors want to uh, want to be as close to what we know about science as possible. For me, my approach is to I wanted a believable world, so I'm standing partially on the shoulders of some of my favorite science fiction authors, especially ones I read, uh, read as kids. Uh, people like Larry Niven, um, uh, people like uh, Dan Simmons, uh, you know, they they came up with concepts that make so much sense to me that it seems to to me to be a natural part of the future. And so I, you know, blatantly, what, uh, there's, there's a word for it that I'm escaping, which is funny because I'm a writer, but is blatantly uh, uh, borrowing from the, the work of some people that have come before me. Um, and the other aspect of it, though, is that, uh, you know, some things... So, I, you know, I'm writing in roughly in the, in the early part of the 22nd century. So it's far enough for all sorts of things to be different, but things should still be fairly accessible. So I, when I was looking at spacecraft drives, I went looking for the most on-the-edge current theoretical science for how to go faster than light. And then I put a twist. Actually, I, I went with the with the Alcubierre, who has proposed the idea that you can 
surf the edge of um, uh, of a uh, a warp in space. So you could just just ride, ride 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 the edge, and that would be one way to go faster than the speed of light. I took that. I took uh, a character in my story, and I combined it, and I came up with the Alcubierre KT drive. So it's something that's plausible, it's accessible today, uh, certainly not proven, and I don't go into the science of how to do it because I don't know the science of how to do it because no one knows the science of how to do it. And so, you know, sometimes you want to be specific, and sometimes you want to, uh, you know, as a friend of mine told me, keep keep the magic to the let the let the wizards do the magic. So you know, rather than addressing things that are complete uh, completely made up in my head, you know, I'll I'll, I'll just I'll refer to them in a way that makes sense for the characters, rather than trying to pitch everything that makes sense to the reader. You know, that's something that we talk about on occasion on the podcast too. That if you're living in that universe. The science just is. You don't you don't talk about how the warp drive works. You just drive the warp drive ship. I'm a huge believer in that. I don't like I, I cannot stand reading a book where characters start explaining things so that I the reader will understand them. I don't it doesn't make any sense to me. Dan Simmons is one of my favorite authors. One of my absolute favorite authors. When I read Hyperion the first time, have you have you read that? When I read Hyperion the first time it, it blew me away. And part of, part of it was just how immersive it was. And as I started getting serious about wanting to write myself, that's one of the books I thought about. It's like, you know, and, and so I reread it and I reread it again with the purpose of understanding how Dan was making his world so immersive. And I'll give a cheat sheet to anybody who's listening. And he doesn't explain anything. He makes it immersive by having his characters live it. And you, you find out either by context or sometimes half a book later what something specifically is, but it works. And so that, that's, that is something that has inspired me as an author. Uh, it's something that I, I very much try to do. And, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I like your idea of, of looking for the cutting-edge science at the moment and finding out that which has a name. It's probably usually named after the researcher that's inventing it, which also means those people who are science geeks are going to recognize that, which puts it in the realm of reality as opposed to magic, as you're saying. Although, as you also said, it's not defined yet. So seriously, in in 100 years, um, the idea that this person who is unknown to the general populace would be a household name is completely possible. And that's what makes science fiction, I think, fun. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, there are people. I always felt that. Always felt that Larry Niven had a, had what was was very deeply immersed in the in the science of, of when he was writing um, uh, heavily back in the '60s and, and '70s, and that he very you know he was very much always really trying to pay attention to exactly what he was presenting. Um, people like Philip Jose Farmer, you know, are just brainiacs, and you know. For, you know, sometimes are, are writing about mathematics and things like that. You know, so I mean, th- there's 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 a, the school of the school of thought of everything has to be ex- exactly accurate, and there's a school of thought that 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 nothing really matters as long as as long as you you know like you can make all make the rules whatever you want. And I don't, I, I just I'm definitely I'm towards the side of it needs to make sense to me because if it makes sense to me and if I if I can believe in it. 
hopefully my readers will, will, will believe in it. And which is another thing, you know, uh, hanging out again in the, the writer forums that I hang out in, a lot of questions people ask, you know, the answer comes down to sell it to me. If you can sell it to me, make me believe it, you can do anything you want. Some writers can't do that. Some writers just, they cheat, you know, and we as readers, you know, because I'm a reader first, we as readers, we know when the writer's cheating. You know, we, we know when the writer is taking a shortcut. We know when the writer is breaking his own rules or her own rules. And we know when, when the writer is, uh, I just, I, I don't like, I don't like convenience. Well, I like convenience. You know what I mean. I don't, I don't, I don't like convenience and storytelling. We talk about that sometimes. We call it the string theory, where they just kind of string you along enough to put the story together, but you, you're making a leap of faith. It's, it's not really holding together. So I think you describe that's, you know, basically what you're trying to avoid. It's absolutely what I'm trying to avoid. I, you know, I try, I'm trying to write a book that I would want to read. And um, which really is, I, I, I think that that's what most writers should do is, is, is write. I, mean, I, I don't know, maybe not. Maybe there, there are writers out there who it's just best that they write for it. That's, that's a philosophical tangent for another time. But for me, I want to write something that I would want to read. Sounds good. Now, your roughly how long is your novel going to be? Uh, page like word count. Yeah. Oh, good lord! Um, so, first time authors in the science fiction and fantasy genre, generally speaking, have a window of ninety to one hundred twenty thousand words if they want to get an agent and they want to get published. If you're self publishing, you can do whatever you want. Uh, I personally want to be published. I want an agent. I want that professional help to make my book be as as good as it can be. So while we, of course, have all seen epically thick science fiction and fantasy books, first-time authors pretty much have to write roughly short books, 90 to 120,000 words, which in science fiction fantasy is, quite frankly, towards the shorter side, um, uh, you know, maybe 300, 300 pages thereabouts. So I am currently at 130,000 words and counting. So and I'm and I'm not quite finished. So I've got some editing to do. It's it's uh, it sounds like a lot, but it's not. When you start telling a story, you find out that there's so many things you want to include and explain and backstory a little bit, and then you go off on a tangent. And you come back around and you, and yeah, and then the book gets to be like Harry Potter. <laughs> it's 700 pages of 700 books. Well, notice that the first Harry Potter book is you know thin as a rail. And the first book of, of many series for first-time authors, first book is thinner, and the second book gets a little bit longer, and the third book gets a little bit longer. It's not just because they're getting their wings, right? It's not just because, you know, like they're, they, they can't control themselves. The reality is that, that that first book has to be shorter, oftentimes shorter than the writer wants it to be. But if you want that agent, if you want to get published, uh, you you don't have you, you don't have a choice in the matter. No one's going to pay any attention. You you have to have written the best book that has ever been written to be able to hand say a you know six hundred page manifesto to a publisher and have them pay attention to it. And the reality is that they're just going to reject it out of hand. They're not going to find out. They're not going to read it. They're not going to find out that it's the best book that's ever been written. Which goes back to the the next point is basically you have to hook people in pretty quick, both 
whether you're you know looking for an agent or an editor or a reader, you've got uh, to kind of set the stage, set the universe um, really quickly, and kind of define the rules. We always talk about you know the, the internal consistency basically in a universe. If you say that you can't do this, then you can't do that, and so those rules have to be defined fairly quickly. On how how, how tough is it to kind of you know st- stage that environment and define the universe early on? Oh wow. Um... You know, I, I can only speak for myself. And the current beginning of my book was not the original beginning because I didn't do all the things you just said. Um, I wrote what was what I think of as a slow burner intro where you slowly get into, you know, the sort of life of the, of the, of the protagonist. And, and you, you just can't do that uh, in the modern era. You cannot, you cannot do that, especially, again, when you're a first-time author. The rules for first-time authors are different for anyone who's been successful and has a fan base and is going to sell books, right? So for for me, um, I wrote a bunch of stuff that I needed to write to know that it happened and to know how it happens and to know the mechanics of the universe, as you're saying. And then I had to get rid of it all and, and write a new beginning with all of that in the back of my head um, so that I can actually get the, in, the, the reader interested. I, I think I've done that, but I'm still not quite at the point where I'm ready to, to, to try to sell it to other people to find out. Do you have any, like, science review people that you're running it by, you know, to, to check to see that the things that you've put together actually stand up to at least science as we know it now? I am a big believer in not being the smartest guy in the room. A huge believer in that. So I am fortunate to have some real smarty-pants friends and um, I, I don't think that I could say that I've had all the science checked, but I've had everything that I can checked by people who are smarter than me. And, uh, and you know, they've, they've found a couple of uh, holes and a couple of flaws. And, and, you know, when you're writing a long book, long to me, you know, I, I, my day job is uh, an editor at the Mac Observer. So, you know, a long article to me is a thousand words. So yeah, this is this is a lot longer than that. But when you're writing a long piece, sometimes it's it's hard to catch all of those internal inconsistencies. You know, when you actually forget about something and you end up breaking your own rules. So it it, it having smart people and not just your mom and not just your best friend and not just the person who's going to be like, oh yeah, dude, this is like totally the best thing ever, man. You're going to sell a million copies of that. Having really critical people and really smart people, especially with science fiction, read what you're doing is super important, and, uh, and I've done my best to, to, to do as much of that as I can. Sounds good. I think that's all the questions I have for now. Is there anything else you want to add as far as the, the challenge of science fiction writing? Um, boy, uh, that's an open-ended question. Um, uh, I don't know. I guess I'll, just, I'll, go, I'll end with go, going back to something I said earlier, which is you know, if you believe it yourself as an, as an author and you can sell it to your reader, the reader will, will follow along. Sounds good. Thank you so much for letting me talk to you here at Macworld in San Francisco. It's uh, We've been talking about it, at least I've been thinking about it. I think I mentioned it to you quite a long time ago, and I'm glad we finally got a chance to do it. So thank us again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Where do you want to It's the sci-fi tech talk.